Catholic Church is preparing for a new kind of synod involving all of us. Its roots lie in an ecumenical council 60 years ago, Vatican II. Looking back to that event can give us the foundation we need to take part in the synodal process. I'm Bill Grimm, reporting from Tokyo. With Christmas liturgies, decorations, parties, carols, gifts, meals, and crumpled gift wrap, in addition to COVID concerns, it was easy to miss a significant anniversary. On December 25, 1961, St. John XXIII issued the Apostolic Constitution Humanae Salutis, officially convoking the Second Vatican Council that he had first announced on January 25, 1959. Thus, Christmas was the 60th anniversary of the convocation of the latest of only 21 ecumenical councils in the two millennia history of the Catholic Church. The gathering began on October 11, 1962, and closed on December 8, 1965, and was the biggest such council in history. We're entering a period during which we're blessed and challenged to look again at the accomplishments of that council as we take the next step, the Synod. We, especially those who remember pre-Vatican II Catholicism, marvel at how much has changed in the Church since the Council. Thanks to the scholarship that underlay or arose from Vatican II, we can also rejoice at how much authentic tradition was reappropriated and restored. A medieval and counter-Reformation Catholicism began a turn back to more ancient forms and focuses, and especially to scripture and tradition, as opposed to traditions. That turn was thwarted in various ways by the two papacies that followed the two Vatican II popes, John XXIII and Paul VI. But the half-century of attempts to roll back the momentum of the Council, while frustrating to those inspired by the Council, were futile. In such a gathering of bishops united with the Pope, the Holy Spirit is also a powerful participant. And as the American poet James Weldon Johnson wrote of the prodigal son, your arms too short to box with God. Now, Francis, the first Pope trained, ordained, and ministering solely in the Vatican II Church, is reorienting us on the path pointed out by the bishops who were at Vatican II. Vatican II was not simply two Popes. It was a gathering of all the bishops of the Catholic Church, except for a few who could not attend for health reasons or because of restrictions on their freedom to travel. Pope John made it clear that all must be there. We consequently wish and order to this ecumenical council established by us must come from everywhere all our beloved cardinal sons, our venerable brother patriarchs, primates, archbishops, and bishops, whether residential or only titular, as well as all those who have a right and duty to attend the council. They were there from everywhere, about 2,800 in number. For the first time ever, the participants in an ecumenical council came from the whole world, from every tribe and language and people and nation. It was small C Catholic, as well as big C Catholic. Newsreels showing bishops from Africa, Asia, and Oceania entering St. Peter's Basilica for the opening ceremony alerted observers from the start that the Catholic Church was not what people had assumed. Those non-Western faces were the first sign that big changes had already begun. The bishops of Vatican II were unlikely revolutionaries. They were not a bunch of feckless radicals, nor a cabal of subversives out to destroy the Church. Not one of them, except for those from the Eastern Rites, had ever celebrated Mass in any language but Latin. The theology in which they had been trained was traditional. 
and they had studied it in Latin. But when they came together, the Holy Spirit set in motion a trajectory of change that is reshaping Catholicism and therefore Christianity. And what have been the fruits of Vatican II? Well, the church has grown so that an ecumenical council today would have to provide seating for more than 5,000 bishops and other women and men who would participate. There are now more than 1 billion Catholics in the world, and the number increases by millions each year, arguably a sign that the Holy Spirit is working through the church that was reinvigorated by the council. How can we mark this anniversary once we finish cleaning up the Christmas decorations and wrapping paper? The best way to remind ourselves or to learn what Vatican II achieved is to read the documents the bishops produced and voted for. They will give us a foundation for taking our place in the synod process. Some documents are no longer relevant after so many years because time, the world, and the church have moved on. Others will probably always remain important. Four of the 16 are essential reading. Two of those are dogmatic constitutions, the most authoritative form of statement. They are Lumen Gentium on the church and Dei Verbum on divine revelation. The third is Sancrosanctum Concilium on the sacred liturgy, which had the most obvious influence on the lives of Catholics, though it was issued too early to benefit from insights of documents issued later. The fourth must-read document is a new form of teaching, a pastoral constitution. Gaudium et Spes on the church in the modern world is perhaps the chief fruit of Vatican II. All of the documents of Vatican II are freely available in various languages on the website of the Holy See. Read, reflect, and act to fulfill Pope John's prayer for the Council. Renew your wonders in our time, as though in a new Pentecost, and grant that Holy Church may spread the kingdom of the divine Savior, kingdom of truth, of justice, of love, and of peace. Amen. Follow us on our Twitter handle at UCA News for all the news and analysis. This Union of Catholic Asian News podcast is produced by Binu Alex. We need your support to continue reporting news, features, commentaries and analysis on and about the church in Asia. Log on to ucanews.com slash donate to do your bit, however small it may be.